You have put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise. A sound that resonates that all of heaven and earth may worship you. We tread the hills to meet with you, to see your majesty in all that surrounds us. For it speaks and displays the eternal God of ages, creator, author, victor. In love, you established an everlasting covenant with your people, and it's your love that captivates us. As children of the King, we rush in as waves unrestrained, overcome, overwhelmed, that the King crowned in glory and splendor would reach down to place a crown upon our heads. So we raise our banner, the banner we boldly stand under, the banner of Jesus Christ. From dusk to dawn, from age to age, your praise resounds in all the earth, deliverer, Redeemer, ruler of an everlasting kingdom that cannot be shaken. We trust in the name of Christ Jesus, the only King forever. Welcome to Zion's Redemption Radio. This is Fundamentally Mormon. I'm your host, Mark Lichtenwalter. The guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. You can find this at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon. And the text will also be posted on my Facebook wall at facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z-U-R-U-S 1977. You can also find the text and the audio to this radio program on iTunes at Fundamentally Mormon and in the different Facebook groups that I am an admin of. Some of those groups are LDS Last Days Prophecy and Gospel Discussions, LDS Gospel Mysteries, Latter-day Unity, and others. You can find the pages that I admin also on my Facebook wall. And if you enjoy this program, please friend request me or follow me and uh, make me one of your close friends. We try to put out as many episodes as we can during the week, but I'm thankful for you to be here today. Let's get right into the reading today. We are going to be reading out of Ogden Kraut's books. You can find his books for free to read online at ogdenkraut.com. That's O-G-D-E-N-K-R-A-U-T.com. That's O-G-D-E-N-K-R-A-U-T.com. And today is the 28th day of June, 2021. Today is a Monday. And we are going to be continuing on reading Holy Priesthood, Volume 5. We're in Chapter 16, Laws, Principles, and Ordinances. We'll be reading from pages 225 to 238, if we can get through it. If there's a Part 2, I'll have to... We'll have to do that tomorrow, but I think we can get through this tonight. So... Uh, I am driving as usual, watching this beautiful sunset, 
from my vantage point near the top of Barrel Hill on Highway 6 going past the rest area here in this little area, Horseshoe Canyon. And my wife and my son, Kimberly and Emmett, are going to be reading tonight. And then after the uh, each page, they'll pause and I will give any kind of commentary. They can give commentary as well. The guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. studio is up and running. There are 50 lines available for people to call in to listen. And if you choose to have us unmute your mic, just push one and we will see that uh, it'll raise your hand in the studio and we'll bring you on the air. There is a chat room available as well. My son is monitoring that. Uh, at his location in Emory County. And Emmett, can you just type hello on the host chat so that I can see that it's working? I actually can monitor everything in my truck, but uh, he's the one that runs the studio. So, Emmett, are you there? Yeah. Okay. And then... uh, Go ahead and type hello in the chat just so I make sure it's working. And then Kimberly is up as well. Um, Let me... Okay, I will will pray and dedicate the program, and then we'll get right into the reading. O God, the Eternal Father, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we come to Thee this day with broken hearts and contrite spirits, ready to learn the truths of the restoration of the gospel. We ask Thee, Father, to be with us, to inspire us and the listeners as we read through this text, that we may gain new insights and maybe remember things that You have taught us in the past. We Thank Thee, Father, for the Holy Spirit, for the ability to receive personal revelation and confirmation of truth for ourselves, that we may not be blown about by every wind of doctrine, that we may come into the truth through the rock of revelation and the Holy Spirit that guides us. We love Thee, Father, and we love Thy Son, Jesus Christ, and we ask for your blessings to be upon us at this time as we dedicate our time unto thee. Say these things in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, even Jesus Christ. Amen. Emma, I don't actually Amen. see where you've typed in the chat room. Oh, you I said, said hello, hello people. people. Yeah, I can see that now. Okay, well, um, for some reason it's not on the other studio, but that's fine. It doesn't matter. Maybe I should just refresh the screen real quick, and I'll see. All right. Um, so, who's going to be doing the reading tonight? I can, if you want. Okay. Uh, how do we take um, turns, I... like after every page? Yeah, you okay, guys can do you whatever know. you want. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, if you're not reading, go ahead and mute yourself. I'm going to mute myself. That way, any background noise is limited to one mic. And, Good idea. Uh, like yep. the rooster oh, that just crowed in the background. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So, Emmett, are you in the, the house? the cats that I'm yelling? Yeah. Yeah. I'm in the office right now, and I forgot that there are two kittens and a cat in here. Uh, so if you hear frantic squeaking when I'm reading, you know why. <laughs> okay. And then Kim is outside in the car in the driveway, and I am driving a semi-truck on Highway 6 in Emory County. So, all mm-hmm. right. Well, I'm... I will uh, mute my mic, and uh, you guys going to play rock, rock, paper, scissors on who goes first? Oh, nope, Mom's going first. Kim is, the, <laughs> Kim is the boss. She's the one that we listen to. Oh, before we get started, I just want to thank my friend David for helping me out. Um, I was able to buy a switchboard for the podcast that hooks up to the Bluetooth, and uh, it comes with a mic and a headset, so it's uh, it's kind of fun. We'll see how that works with the pro- uh, the program. But so the studio is just on the internet, and it's easy to control with a tablet or a computer. But uh, this will give us a different level of uh, professionality, and mm-hmm. uh, it was exactly just about exactly how much. Yeah, he helped us out with, so I'm really appreciative of that, David. And, oh, by the way, David, uh, take your turn on chess before uh, it cancels out on the game. There's only 48 hours in between moves, and you have not taken your turn, and I have been waiting for you. (laughs) I don't know he listens to these every day, so. All right, I'm going to mute myself. Go ahead, Kim, and you can start the reading. Okay. If the principles by which any of us attempt to save ourselves are contrary to the Bible, we may know they are man's teachings, not God's. For the Lord and his gospel remain the same always. That comes from Editorial Church News, June 3rd, 1965, page 16. Since we have been commanded not to put our trust in the arm of flesh, where can we put our trust? The answer, of course, is in the Lord, for... The Savior himself commanded, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Shalt thou serve. That comes from Matthew chapter 4, verse 10. Many scriptural passages make it very clear that we should put our trust only in the Lord. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust my buckler and the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from mine enemies. That's Psalms chapter 18, verses 1 through 3. Our fathers trusted in thee. They trusted, and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee and were delivered. They trusted in thee and were not confounded. That is Psalms chapter 22, verses 4 through 5. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler, and from the noisome pestilence he shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. That is Psalms chapter 91, verse 2 through 4. And now we're on page 226. If you had anything you wanted to say? Yeah, real quick. Um, Okay, so 
it has to do with the word worship in Hebrew. So it drives me nuts when the evangelicals like to do the praise and worship thing because they don't even know what it means. Um, to pray or to praise someone is to lift up, lift up on high, to exalt. To worship is to humbly bow yourself and submit to your king. And so when we worship God, we should worship by bowing ourselves to him. We do not worship anyone but our God. We do not worship prophets. We do not worship angels. In fact, John actually fell down before the angel in the book of Revelations that was giving him the message. And he said, stand up. I am a fellow servant like yourself. It was an angel with Yehovah's or Jesus' message. It wasn't actually Jesus, but an angel. And John was going to worship him, and he said, don't do that. So uh, I just wanted to clarify the meaning in Hebrew. I don't remember what the word is. But praise and worship is to exalt on high and to humbly humbly submit um, yourself before the king. Go ahead, Kim. I think I'm going to take a turn. Yep, yep. Go ahead, Emmett. Um, 226, right? Yep. Where'd it go? Okay, there it is. Uh, You finished that whole quote? Um, It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Psalms 118, 8-9. They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people from henceforth even forever. Psalms 125, 1 and 2. Um, the God of my rock, in him I trust, or in him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower and my refuge. My Savior, thou savest me from violence. I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from mine enemies. Second Samuel 22, 3-4 And now verily, verily, I say unto thee, put your trust in that spirit which leadeth to do good. Yea, to do justly, to walk humbly, to judge righteously. And this is my spirit. D&C 11, 12 Let him trust in me, and he shall not be confounded, and a hair, on, or a hair of his head shall not fall to the ground unnoticed. DNC eighty four one sixteen. These words should certainly leave no question as to where we should place our trust in the blessings that result. How do we as mortals, as saints, best serve him and put our trust in him? First, we need to learn and obey his laws, principles, and ordinances, those he instituted himself and those he has revealed through his true prophets. Righteous men in all dispensations are saved by obedience to the same eternal and unchangeable laws, and ordinances of the gospel. 227. Anything to say? Um, I feel like you need to say something about trusting God. Um, Okay. So, uh, at church this week, we, uh, Kim and I and the kids, go to a Pentecostal church that we enjoy. And uh, he was talking about trusting God. And uh, even when it gets hard. And it just stuck in my mind. So 
I lived a violent past in, in my childhood. My father was a drug addict. He left when I was three. My mom remarried when I was six to an abusive alcoholic who got so bad that he actually stabbed me for not holding my fork right. He oh, stabbed me with a steak knife in my arm. Anyway, but um, I've been uh, homelessness and drug addictions on my part because of the things that I went through and wanting to die. And all of that stuff happened before 1996 and then some of it even afterwards. Uh, my, I was homeless in 97. And then there's been other times when I have been homeless by my own choice. Uh, for instance, when I went from Wash, uh, Everett, Washington down to St. Petersburg, Florida, with nothing but the clothes on my back, my car, which I was thankful for, and uh, a laptop and some books. Anyway, but um, even in that time, I trusted in God, and he led me, and I was able to get a, a home or an apartment and pretty close to the beach. And but getting back to this other thing, so when I think about the things that happened to me as a child and as a teenager, it makes me upset even still. It's hard for me to talk about, but I talk about these things because I know other people go through hard things as well. And Jesus, when I spoke to him face-to-face in 2003, we actually sat down for a while and talked about a bunch of different stuff. And I, he told me I could ask him three questions, and I ended up asking him a bunch more than that because there were questions within questions. And anyway, he was patient with me. I think I was 26 at the time. And I will never forget one of the things he told me, that all the things that I have gone through in my life, as hard as they were, that he allowed me to go through those things for his wise purpose that he might mold me into the servant that he needs me to be. And then looking back at what happened with our baby Ezekiel a couple of years ago and with our baby Emma last November, I don't have the answers to everything, but I trust him. And I know that there's reasons that I don't understand, but I trust him anyway. And I love him. And I know that he loves us. And my experiences with him, every time I've been in his presence, there is this overwhelming feeling of love and peace that he exudes from himself. And we are healed by him to his glory. And uh, I just wanted to bring that up for people that may have gone through some trying times and having a hard time trusting God. You can trust him. Anyway, I'm going through Wellington Cut, so it'll break up. I'll uh, mute myself again. Okay. I just had to unmute myself. Um, Page 227. Yeah. Yep, we're on the next page, so I'll read. Cain was the first person on our earth to think he could change the laws and ordinances of God. Abel offered to God a sacrifice that was accepted, which was the firstlings of the flock. Cain offered of the fruit of the ground and was not accepted. That's Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 58. Both made a sacrifice to God, and both did it with good intentions, yet Cain's was not accepted because he changed the ordinance. Men in our day 
might change the laws, principles, and ordinances with good intentions as a sincere sacrifice and as an offering to God, but he cannot accept it. In the beginning, Cain was a righteous man. He held the priesthood, and his skin was white. He walked and talked with God and knew the gospel very well. But he made a serious mistake. He thought he could make some minor changes in an ordinance and be justified in doing so, in so doing. But when his sacrifice was not accepted, he became resentful and bitter, and feeling inferior to his brother, Abel, slew him. Cain was cursed. He lost the priesthood, his skin became black, he began to fight against God, and eventually became a son of perdition. This illustrates that even a minor change could lead to major consequences. The Lord also warned, Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. That's Matthew chapter 5 verse 19. Straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, Matthew 7:14. And nothing we can do will broaden it. And on to page 228 now. Yeah, this is an important principle that people need to understand. The reason why Cain fell, and Cain walked with God. You don't just become a son of perdition because you rebel against God. You actually have to know him. And to understand. And Cain listened to the whisperings of Satan, and he gave up a different offering than what was required. And because he did that, um, he could have repented. God even told him, you know, to, to repent, but he wouldn't. He became arrogant and prideful. He was the older brother. He thought he had the birthright, and uh, he didn't. And he suffered for his for, for the consequences of changing laws you're not supposed nobody has the authority to change what god has asked us to do in fact the very word iniquity in hebrew means to depart from the path that god has laid out for us to follow so when god gave us the, the commandments and the doctrine and covenants and even in the torah when we depart from those things the true torah not not the other Torah, but about the 613 laws. I, I don't want to go too much into the tangent on that. I've talked about it on other programs. But if we do what God has asked us to do, we are on the path. If we depart from that path, even one iota, then we are in iniquity. Jesus said that he did not come to do away with God's laws, but to fulfill them, which means to live that live them. So when a rabbi says you are fulfilling Torah, that is an expression among even Orthodox Jews today that you are living the Torah fully. That's what Jesus did. He lived the Torah fully as how we should live. And he gave us some more instructions for the redemption of Zion to prepare a people to redeem Zion in our day because it is very important that these things happen before the coming of Jesus Christ. And when we depart from them and we change the laws and the ordinances and the gospel, which we are guilty of as a people, uh, we are in iniquity. And we need to repent from that and turn back to the first works. Now, real quick, before I go off wash plant, 
um, I heard somebody talking, people talk about how Jesus is God, because in the Book of Mormon it says, I am the Father and the Son. The reason why Jesus is the Father is because he paid for our sins and we are adopted to him as his children because of the atonement. But he has a Father above him as well. Revelation chapter 1, Jesus Christ hath made us kings and priests and God and his Father. So anyway, go ahead. I'm going to mute myself. Okay, I think it's my turn. Right? And 228, I think it is, right, Ron? Hello? I'm going to assume it's 228. That's where we left off. Amit. Uh huh. If you are not following along and you do not know where you're supposed to be reading, you do not need to read. Because we don't need to go through this every time it's your turn to read. Okay? Okay. Mm-hmm. So follow along a little better. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. <clears throat> One of the first major errors committed by the early Christians was to make changes in the principles, ordinances, and laws of the gospel. With good intentions and the unanimous votes of their leaders, they thought they were doing the right thing. However, if they would have maintained the principles, they would have con- continued with the priesthood. An editorial in the Times and Seasons Declaration. Uh, an editorial in the Times and Seasons explained how their priesthood was lost. We have not time to enter into the various abuses of the Church of Rome, but would mer- or, but will merely state that if they had continued pure, their priesthood would have also been pure, and their authority to administer in the ordinances of the Church would have been legal, not because they had a succession of popes but in consequence of their adherence to the pure principles of the gospel. For priesthood cannot continue when the gospel is perverted. Um, But as they have departed from his gospel, introduced to the ordinances of men, and neglected to teach things that God commanded them, they have lost the authority, blessings, and power of the priesthood. Uh... Times and Seasons Editorial 4-9. Joseph Smith confirmed what, or confirmed this when he explained, If there is no change of ordinances, there is no change of priesthood. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 158. In other words, when someone changes or discards the ordinances, he also changes or discards the priesthood, which can, only, or which can continue only through the adherence to eternal laws and ordinances. The priesthood is also the greatest and strongest power in the universe. Yet it is also extremely fragile and delicate. It is very difficult to preserve and very easy to lose. Yep. Um, Kim, could you hear him or did he break up to me or was that on the whole show? Um, Mom is having problems with the microphone. Oh. Okay, can you read that last quote again? I don't know if it was just me or if it was you but I couldn't hear it. Okay, so Joseph Smith confirmed this when he explained, if there is no change of ordinances, there is no change of priesthood. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 158. In other words, when someone changes or discards the ordinances, he also changes or discards the priesthood, which can continue only through the adherence to eternal laws and ordinances. 
The priesthood is the greatest and strongest power in the universe, yet it is also extremely fragile and delicate. It is very difficult to preserve and very easy to lose. Sometimes we wonder if there are more men who lose it than who are able to keep it. 229, anything to say, Dad? Yeah, and this is why in uh, uh, Daniel chapter 12, Daniel sees the vision of the last days. He he sees Michael stand up from his throne, and he sees a man clothed in linen. So the the father is commencing his work in this uh, vision that Daniel is seeing. And when he commences his work, there is a man that he calls who is clothed in linen, which means he's clothed in purity. He's a pure vessel before the Lord. And which means he's clean and forgiven uh, from all of his uh, sins, transgressions and iniquities. And he raises both arms to the air after the manner of the Melchizedek priesthood. And he scatters the power of all the holy people. That's what it says in the King James. But in the correct, uh, you know, in the original, it would have said he severs the priesthood, not the power, the priesthood of all the holy people. That is the priesthood that is restored on the earth in the last days before the final restoration and the redemption of Zion. The man clothed in linen raises both of his arms to the square and he severs the priesthood. And the reason he does that is because there has been so many changes in priesthood because they changed the gospel, they changed the laws, they ignore the laws, um, they change the truth, and just a bunch of stuff. And when there's changes, there's changes in priesthood. And also because of what Heber J. Grant did in 1921, where he had the whole Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints start just ordaining the offices but not conferring to the priesthood, which was continued through the presidency of George Albert Smith and finally changed by David O. McKay, but they never went back and changed it. So a lot of priesthood lines of authority don't, they're just, if the person that ordained you or conferred priest upon you was not conferred properly, they don't have priesthood. So there's a lot of people out there that don't do. So because of all these things, God does a hard reset in the last days, and that one mortal man that God chooses, who is called the man clothed in linen, who I am, is the one that severs the power of all the holy priesthood, and he does that because he's been given the scepter of power. I have been given the scepter of power. When God laid his hands on my head and gave it to me in 2003, And he told me to sever the ordinances and the priesthood of all the holy people, which means there is a hard reset and people have to get rebaptized, receive reconferral, and stop changing everything all the time. That was done in July, July 15th of 2013. So, and that's what Daniel saw in vision in Daniel chapter 12. And whenever it talks about... um, Whenever it talks about if you change the ordinances and you change all these things, you're actually changing priesthood. Well, that's why, because things have been changed. Priesthood has been changed, and the way it was conferred was changed, which means a lot of people don't even have it to begin with. And there had to be a hard reset, which there was. Anyway, um, I am going to jump up on the Grizz. 
and get rid of this this coal that I'm hauling. Um, Can you hear so me? So if I don't, yeah, go ahead, Kim. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so I don't know why, but I just took it off of the car because it was using the yeah. car speaker like I normally do, which means everything might be a little bit louder now. But yeah, I don't know what the problem is with that. And now I'm trying to get the earbuds from Liddy, so I'm just going to have Emmett keep reading because I don't know exactly what the glitch is yet. Sorry. Okay. Is that okay with okay, you? Okay, I'll mute myself. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, continuing on on page 229. God does not interfere with the actions of men if they choose to introduce the ordinance of men and neglect to teach the things that God commanded them. Um, IVID, I think that's Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 158, I think. He allows them to do it, but he takes away their authority, blessings, and power of the priesthood. If men who pres- uh, preside over the priesthood can err and lose their priesthood, then all those who blindly follow them could lose the priesthood too. Some claimed that, or some have claimed that God can revoke, change, or do away with His laws, and the following verse is, all, or is often quoted in support of that theory. When I give a commandment to do any of the son, or to any of the sons of men to do work, a work unto my name. And those sons of men go with all their might and with all they have to perform that work and cease not their diligence and their enemies come upon them and hinder them from performing that work. Behold it behooveth me to require that work no more at the hands of those sons of men but to accept of their offerings. Uh, DNC 124-49. Back uh, of course. Okay, I got to say something real quick before I jump up on the Grizz. Uh, in that particular instance, he was talking about forgiving them for all of the stuff that they couldn't do in Independence, Missouri, because the Gentiles did so much to stop them from doing the work, so he forgave that. But in Nauvoo, that wasn't happening near as much, and they, the saints, were actually hindering the work by not doing what they were commanded to do. So he does not forgive that. All right, I'm muting myself. Okay, I guess I'm continuing on. Uh, um, I think I ended right on the end of that quote. Of course, the key word here is work, which, mentioned, which is mentioned four times. A work is an activity or project, such as a construction, or such as constructing a building, a boat, or a temple, translating the manuscript, performing a mission to, to a certain people, etc. This has nothing to do with the external laws, principles, or ordinances. A work is flexible and can change. God's laws, principles, and ordinances do not. God's work is progressive. It changes its appearance, but never its principles. The truths upon which it is founded are eternal, unalterable. But there are many regulations that change and change and change as the work of God goes on. Orson F. Whitney, Conference Report, October 1916, page 56. Charles W. Penrose also explained this distinction. Uh, We're on page 230. Uh, Anything to say? I think Dad's up there, so Mom, do you got anything to say? <laughs> no, you can continue. Okay. It is a, it is a bit 
Um, it is a little singular, weird, that some people will persistently refuse to see the difference between a certain special work and a principle or law. <laughs> um, the consistency of the Lord reliving a people from any such obligation is the building of a house. Uh, any such obligation as the building of a house when prevented by enemies from accomplishing it is self-evident. When it comes to the abrogation, abrogation of a law, a principle, a truth, the matter is entirely different. The revelation does not even apply remotely. Uh, Deseret uh, Evening News, June 5, 1885. There are numerous statements declaring the eternal nature of God's laws, principles, and ordinances. For example, ordinances instituted in the heavens before the foundation of the world in the priesthood for the salvation of men, are not to be altered or changed. All must be saved on the same principles. Teaching for the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 308. <laughs> he set the ordinances to be the same forever and ever. Teaching for the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 168. It signifies then that the ordinances must be kept in the very way God has appointed. Otherwise, their priesthood will prove a cursing instead of a blessing. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 169. The order of the house of God has been, and ever will be, the same, even after Christ comes, and after the termination of the thousand years, it will be the same. And we shall finally enter into the celestial kingdom of God and enjoy it forever. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 91. Now taking it for granted that the scriptures say what they mean, and mean what they say, we have sufficient grounds to go on and prove from the Bible that the gospel has always been the same. The ordinances to fulfill its requirements the same, and the, office, the officers to officate, I think is what it says, the same. And the signs and fruits resulting from the promises, the same. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 264, and we are on page 231. And this little cat is crawling all over my foot. Anything to say? Nope, I'm passing the Grizz in a bad area, but nope. <laughs> I think Joseph Smith speaks for himself. So, okay, I want to continue with the reading. <laughs> okay, so these two cats, we have two baby cats, kittens, and their mom's in here with me too, but she's like roaming around. And they're just climbing all over my feet, scraping up my feet and tickling me. <laughs> so I'm like having a hard time focusing. <laughs> okay, page 231. All men who become hairs of... They're only two weeks old, so they're little itty-bitty babies. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll mute myself. Okay. Um... All men who become heirs of God and join heirs with Jesus Christ, joint heirs with Jesus Christ, will have to receive the fullness of the ordinances of his kingdom. And those who will not receive all the ordinances will come short of the fullness of that glory if they do not lose the whole. Teaching to the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 309. A key. <laughs> Every principle proceeding from God is eternal, and any principle which is not eternal is of the devil. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 181. Uh-huh. 
We have laid down here certain principles of the gospel that Paul taught to the Hebrews nearly 2,000 years ago. But principles that were not new even today, on the contrary, principles of the eternal truth which has always existed, that will always exist, which cannot be changed in their form, cannot be annihilated through the unbelief of the human family, for they are self-existent. And I will here say, as I wish to be understood by all men, that our faith is, there never has been but one gospel upon the earth. Though today there are 603 score and six different religious faiths, all more or less diverse from one another. But there is the one true and everlasting gospel, and it never will be any more, and it is the same gospel that was taught to Adam, to Noah, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the patriarchs, and which Jesus and the apostles preached. It never did vary in the least in one single instance, nor never will, and I say... If we teach any other gospel than that which has, or which was taught by Jesus and his apostles, we teach a false gospel and shall be under condemnation before God, angels and men. Wilford Woodruff, Journal of Discourses, 23, 126 and 127. There are revelations in that book, Doctrine and Covenants, concerning the council and the management of affairs that are not binding upon us, only so far as they are applicable to us. When, however, it comes to the revelations concerning principle, then those revelations are unalterable, and they will stand as long as the heaven and earth will endure, because they are true. George Q. Cannon, Deseret Evening News, September 21st, 1895. We are on page 232. Anything to say? Uh, one thing I was thinking of, you know, a lot of people don't realize that when the Torah was given on the mountain by the angel of Jehovah, who was Jesus Christ. Um, Not saying he was Jehovah, and I've explained that in the past, I won't get into it right now. But um, there was a lot of things that were restored because the people of Israel in Mizraim or Egypt, they did not have, they didn't have the truth. They didn't even know what his name was. They were like, Moses is like, well, who should I, they sent me when he was talking to the angel of Jehovah, the spirit being of Jesus Christ. And he said, I, um, yep, sorry, uh, I can't remember. But he said, I, basically the translation is, say I am the self-existent one basically is sending you. Everything that they had to have restored by Moses in the, Torah, which includes the books of Genesis, um, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers. I think, I don't know if I said that. There's five books. All of that was restored by the prophet Moses because they had lost it all. So there was a lot of restoration going on then at that time. There was some other things that were carnal commandments, like the uh, circumcision commandment, which was, Um, taken away from the people. We know that because of the Book of Mormon. Um, Jesus Christ paid the law as the the, uh, Pesach or the Passover sacrifice to cover all of the children, not just the first flood or firstborn. Um, You know, so 
we do not have uh, we do not have to worry about blood sacrifices at this time. But we know in Ezekiel chapter 37 that in the millennium there will be a memorial blood uh, blood sacrifices during the millennium in the ter- terrestrial era of the history of this earth, where there will be some things that are brought up. But we in this time we received a partial restoration so that the foundation of Zion could be laid. But in section 124, Jesus said that if you build this house unto me, this will be the beginning of revelations. And he's talking about the beginning of revelations for the redemption of Zion and that he would restore the times and the seasons, which are the holy days of Jehovah, because he does not want us to be living the holidays of the pagans, which uh, or the mixed holidays of pag- the pagans, um, he wants us to be observing his holy days, and all of that would have been restored if the Nauvoo Temple was restored, but it wasn't because of the disobedience of the people. So when people talk about the restoration, there was a restoration, but it was not a full restoration. There was a promise for a full restoration to be done but because of the disobedience of the people, it was not done. So Joseph Smith laid the foundation as an Elias for the coming of the witness, who I am, to come and teach they who are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast so that there can be a full restoration, which still needs to happen. hasn't happened to this point. So, And that includes the fullness of the priesthood and all of the true laws of Torah, and treating God's commandments with, with how we're supposed to do it, not treating them lightly. And we do. We treat them lightly. We change things. And we need to repent as a people from that. So anyway, you're doing a good job. Okay. Um, I think you started to break up there towards the end. Man, this cat, why? (laughs) There are certain truths that are not affected by ever-changing circumstances. Truths which always are the same, or are always the same. No matter how often they must be revelated, truths which are elementary, permanent, fixed, from which there must not be, and cannot be, any departure without condemnation. B.H. Roberts, uh... IMP ERA, May 1900, page 576. That's improvement era. Anytime you see that, that's improvement era. Okay. Okay. These principles do not change. They cannot change. They must endure immutability. No, immutability through all time. But we... Stand for the revelations of God as they have been revealed in this dispensation. Unchangeable and immutable, enduring forever because they are eternal. Joseph Fielding Smith's Conference Report, October 1924, yeah, 1924, page 100. It makes no difference what is written or what anyone has said. If what has been said is in conflict with what the Lord has revealed, we can set it aside. My words and the teachings of any other members of the church, high or low, if they do not square with the revelation, we need not accept them. 
Let us have this matter clear. We have accepted the four standard works as the measuring yardsticks or balances by which we measure every man's doctrine. Doctrine of Salvation, Joseph Fielding Smith, 3, 203. Even the writings, teachings, and opinions of the prophets of God are acceptable only to the extent they are in harmony with what God has revealed and what is recorded in the standard works. When the living oracles speak in the name of the Lord, or as moved upon by the Holy Ghost, however, their utterances are then binding upon all who hear, and whatever is said without any exception will be found to be in harmony with the standard works. The Lord's house is a house of order, and one truth never contradicts another. Bruce R. McConkie, Mormon Doctrine, page 765. We're on page 233 of Holy Priesthood, volume 5, in Enzyme to the Nations by Ogden Kraut, volume 2. Anything to say, Dad? <laughs> now, uh, what page are we on in Enzyme to the Nations? Oh, yeah. Um, currently, we are on 932. Okay. And anybody can read the book that we're reading today at ogdencrowd.com. It's there for free for anybody to read online for themselves. Just throwing that out there. All right. Uh, You know, I'm going to have to smack Joseph Smith when I see him. Because he never wrote, he didn't write down hardly anything by himself. He had people writing notes down, and we got people's interpretations of what he was saying, uh, things he didn't check. Now, it, it irritates me a little bit because we have all this stuff that Joseph Smith supposedly taught that we get through secondhand accounts because he didn't write things down. But then we've got the Journal of Discourses where they were written down and checked by Brigham Young, the editor-in-chief of the Journal of Discourses, and the LDS Church will take the words of secondhand witnesses all the time when it comes to Joseph Smith, but then they want to throw Brigham under the bus because they don't like what he says because they don't want you to know that they changed so much stuff. And um, it, it just irritates me because they actually, Brigham Young actually was the editor-in-chief and he read the transcripts of the shorthand that was in the different places where it's been given. And, um, and then they put it into uh, to pamphlets and then later on became the Journal of Discourses. But, you know, they, they were checked. But the things that we get from Joseph Smith, a lot of them are second and third hand accounts. And Joseph Smith didn't check a lot of the things that, that we take as pure doctrine from him. So even if we did hear him face to face, he can still speak as a man and give his ideas and opinions and his speculations. It doesn't mean that everything he taught was true, but um, we need to get revelation for ourselves, principle upon principle, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little, so that we can be built upon the rock of revelation so we don't have false doctrine being taught or being promulgated by us as mortal beings on the earth. So, anyway, I'm going to mute myself again. Thank you, Emma. Okay. Tom, are you there? That is a maybe. Okay. Page 233. 
Compare the above 12 quotations with the following, which represents the position taken by the church today. It is not uncommon for people to feel uncomfortable when changes occur, but changes in the church are not only inevitable, er, yeah, are not only inevitable, inevitable. Also, as Elder Boyd K. Packer testified, they are a testimony that revelation is ongoing. Follow the living prophets, uh, Top, Dahl, and Bowen. Page 20. When the early Christian church kept making changes throughout the centuries, it certainly did not mean that revelation was ongoing. Rather, when laws, principles, and ordinances of the gospel were changed, it was evidence that revelations from God had ceased and revelations from man had taken over. All of the many Christian religions of the world have a portion of the gospel, but they do not teach the fullness of it. The Lord has said, There are none that doeth good except for those who are ready to receive the fullness of my gospel, which I set, sent forth unto this generation. B&C 35.12 So just being a Latter-day Saint does not mean we will automatically be saved in the celestial kingdom. All who profess to be Latter-day Saints will not be saved in the celestial world, so they cannot abide the celestial laws, but all will attain the glory which they can abide. Every righteous thing that we do in this mortality is a rudiment lesson in the celestial law of our God. Let us go to with our mind and strength to abide the celestial law as it shall be revealed to us from time to time until we can abide its fullness that we may ultimately be introduced into the presence of our Heavenly Father to dwell with him forevermore. Hebrews C. Kimball, Journal of Discourses 11, 146. Anything to say? We're on page 234. No, go ahead. Okay. And 234. Also, church leaders and officers may try... They cannot change these eternal laws and ordinances of the gospel. The Lord and his prophets have okay, declared sorry, it. Okay, sorry, I was trying to unmute it. It didn't work. Can you hear me? Oh, you're there. Hi, yeah. Hi, it wasn't working. Um, But I just wanted to say after that, um, the way that they say that is really excellent because the caller that we had a few weeks ago um, was really distraught over the fact that he thinks, um, you know, a lot of the – trash that has talked about the Mormon or LDS church, he feels like they believe everybody has to be Mormon to go to the celestial kingdom. And that's not accurate. That's not an accurate um, depiction of what um, Mormon or LDS people truly do believe. It's not even true. Um, because we are trying to all, sorry, there's cars going by, so I was trying to make it so it wasn't so loud. Um, but, um, we learn things little by little, the way that everybody learns. You just learn here a little and there a little. You try to apply each thing to your life. We don't learn everything all at one time. That's impossible, um, as far as human beings go. So we learn the the different things, you know, it says we learn by which we suffer. There are things that we go through and help us to learn, um, little by little to get to where we, um, are uh, hoping to be, you know, all together, celestially you know, as one big family. Sorry, that was another vehicle. Anyway, so that's what I was going to say. So when he's talking about um, how we learn things, as we get more information, 
um, from God as we have more revealed unto us, then we are trying to live the laws that are given to us um, individually. So I just think that's really cool and wanted to just put a little bit of a highlight on that. But you can go ahead and keep reading it. Well, okay. there's a couple things. Alvin was never baptized, but Joseph Smith saw him in the celestial kingdom. So there's that. If people would have lived lived it, they'll they'll achieve the greatest resurrection that they can achieve um, in this life. But then there's the secret. There's something called multiple mortal probations. We have many lifetimes. We're put in situations in our lifetime to learn the things that we need to learn to gain a higher resurrection, to gain a greater, a better re- resurrection. And as we go through the experience of these multiple mortal lifetimes on earth to earth, we gain a higher resurrection. So, um, you know, we're all down here doing what we're supposed to do. Uh, we need to go through the experiences. And this is the place for us to do that. And then we gain so much in this life. Uh, Joe, our, uh, Gordon B. Hinckley said, if we're doing better today than we were last year, then we are on the track. So that's a good good uh, quote that he said. Anyway, I'm muting myself. Hey, Mom, do you want to read? Okay. okay. There's a no. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm trying to. Um, I, I think it's not. I like the the phone, but I'm. I think it's just a learning curve for me. Oh. Like trying to figure it out. Okay. So, um, oh man, now what page number? I had to find it again. Two thirty-four. Okay. Although church leaders and officers may try, they cannot change these eternal laws and ordinances of the gospel. The Lord and his prophets have declared it as a law unto his people. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Then who can say thou mayest commit adultery, and it will be no sin? It is written as a law unto the saints. Thou shalt not kill. Then we ask again, who can kill and be forgiven? And in like manner, it might be asked of all the laws of God. Who has the right to make them void? None can revoke the decree but him by whom it was given. Neither can the laws of God be trampled upon with impunity or revoked by a lesser power than that by which they were framed. That comes from Editorial Millennial Star, uh, Volume 14, page 595. And um, just really quickly, yeah? Um, uh, Two things. Uh, Okay, I was going to say something too, so maybe you're going to say the the same thing. Well, the correct word in the commandment is thou shalt not murder. There are times for when killing is uh, something that is expected in times of defense, in times of defending against invaders in war, uh, to kill somebody who has killed. uh, That is uh, acceptable when it is done in a proper method by uh, court uh, trial system. Moses killed. Uh, yeah. So the, the correct uh, the correct word there actually it means to murder. It doesn't mean to kill. But I don't know. It drives me nuts. Uh, second thing, um, the people do not understand the context of what you're talking about when you say there's a learning cor- curb to this phone. On Thursday, 
Kimberly busted the crap out of her phone. So we had to go get a new one. But then there was some stuff that happened after we drove 100 and something miles, and then it couldn't happen, so we had to drive south 100 and something miles. And then the next day we were supposed to go back, so Thursday and Friday were completely shot driving in the car. And then that didn't happen. And then on Saturday it finally got fixed, and Kim has a new phone. And, uh, well, her other phone is waiting for the insurance uh, phone to send a, a new phone, whatever. Anyway, so when Kim's talking about there's a learning curve, Kim got a new phone. But the people didn't know that. So <laughs> I just wanted to, because uh, Kim thinks everybody knows everything, and uh, she always gives stuff without any context, and I just wanted to make sure people understood what in the world she was talking about. <laughs> okay, I'll mute myself again. So are you reading your mind? I'm still reading. I'm sorry. Um, okay. And if they try to make such changes, oh, by the way, I was going to talk about exactly what you were saying, um, about how a lot of the things are not just cut, cut and dry and easy. That's why we, we are judges, like we were talking about a few, uh, like last week. But um, it isn't for us to judge all things um, of other men, and it's not um, – it's not our call or our say because like he was saying, Moses, Nephi, you know, they have killed, you know, they didn't murder, but they did kill. And that was uh, under the direction of God. So anyway, so I was just going to say something along that same line. Okay. And if they try to make such changes, God will justify the people in not following their counsel. If a bishop counsels the people of his ward to swear, shall they swear? No. If he counsels them to steal, shall they steal? No. If he counsels them to lie and bear false witness, shall they do these um, or shall they do these wrongs? No. If he teaches them to break the Sabbath, shall they break the Sabbath? No. If a bishop or any other officer in this church shall counsel the people to violate any of the laws of God and to sustain and build up the kingdoms of this world, I will justify them, and the Lord will justify them in refusing to obey that counsel. Sorry about the background noise. That comes from Brigham Young Journal of Discourse, Volume 12, page okay. 164. Yes, you do need to talk about that, too. If you're not going to, I will. <laughs> um, I want to hear what you have to say, but I'll just say what I'm going to say real quick. Swearing okay, um, and cussing <laughs> are not the same thing. That's this not what I was presentism. <laughs> okay. No, it drives me nuts because swearing and cussing are two different things. One is not admissible. One is fine. Uh, it's just stupid. Okay. Um, <laughs> the other thing I was going to say, lying has been uh, this word that encompasses a whole bunch of stuff. It is wrong to bear false witness, but um, to lie to protect yourself or others is admissible. Because the word that is used there doesn't mean what we think it means today. There's a whole bunch of stuff that we, as people, we do what the Pharisees and the Sadducees back in the old days did. We make up all these hedges and all these man-made laws around the truth, and then we, talk, we, we, we pretend that, oh, this is a sin. 
when it's not. They did the same thing in, in Jesus' day. They did the same. They do the same things today, and it drives me insane because uh, people will judge other people based on crap that doesn't have anything to do with man-made gospels, man-made doctrine. So, anyway, uh, what were you going to say, Kim? Okay, so that's really good. Um, I was just going to say that goes directly against what they teach, um, and I can't remember the exact quote. My husband's way better at that than me. Um, but they do teach that the, the you know, prophets and the teachers of the church won't lead you astray. And if you do what they say to do, even if it's wrong, you will still be rewarded for it. So, and this right here from Brigham Young, the Journal of Discourses, is telling you, I'm sorry, Arius is upset in the background. Come here, monkey. Um, but, yeah, they're telling you the exact opposite in in this, uh, on in Journal of Discourse, Volume 12, page 164, because they're telling you, no, just because somebody else is telling you to do something wrong, you know it's wrong, you don't do it. Even if it's a leader in the church. Yeah. So, so and you, you know what I'm talking about, because that's what they say. Yeah. Hebert yeah. Grant and created oh. that crap, even though at the end of his life he said that the heavens were his grasp to him, and he, he had not received any revelation from God. But he sure did know how to change a whole bunch about the word of wisdom and a whole bunch of other stuff. But he never received any revelation to do the things that he did. So he comes up with this false doctrine crap, which uh, David O. McKay taught, uh, said, you know, Hebert Grant taught me this. And then, so now we have this, the leaders can't lead you astray crap, even though that contradicts not trusting in the flesh, you know, um, and, and the whole idea that, like, okay, so the leaders can't lead you astray, but Brigham Young taught seven deadly heresies. Well, he was a leader from the 1840s into the 1870s, it, you know, from the time Joseph was dead until, uh, until Brigham died in 1877. And then they'll say, these new guys will say, well, Brigham Young talk seven deadly heresies and a whole bunch of false doctrines. But then they'll say, well, we can't lead you astray. Well, if he couldn't lead you astray, then we should be following what he said. But if the whole thing is all a bunch of crap, then you guys can lead us astray just like he did. So anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. So um, the whole entire time you're talking, nobody is coming by or anything, and I'm just out here. I'm actually weeding while you talk because I like to I like to do yard work. Um, so I'm just out here, but nobody came comes by the whole time. As soon as you're like, go ahead, then two cars drive by the front yard. <laughs> I was like, oh okay. <laughs> anyway, I'll continue on reading. Can you hear me okay? Mom. Yep. Clear. We should not follow a leader if he breaks a moral law. Neither should we follow him if he breaks any other gospel law. A man would be more justified in following the inspired teachings of a man outside the church than he would by following uninspired teachings of a leader inside the church. History has taught us that neither position, title, nor good works has anything to do with following a man who opposes the law's principles and ordinances of the gospel. Sometimes good men can be partially wrong and bad men partially right. It is 
the nature of men to try to improve things, and some things do need improvement, but not the everlasting gospel. Nephi saw a rod of iron, which was the word of God, to rule the world. First Nephi 8.19. Okay, i got to say something here. Nephi, okay. Nephi saw a mist. He was going through this dark mist in the stream that he had, right? And he saw a religious man of God, and he started following that man. And the further he followed that man, the deeper and darker the mist became. And it wasn't until he cried out to God to have God save him and stop following the religious man that he was brought back to the rod of iron, which is the word of God. Go ahead. Kim? Okay. <laughs> tell the daughter my... to leave you alone. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, not just that, but um, I was actually just cutting off a limb off a tree. Okay, anyways, <laughs> ready. Okay. Which was the oh. same rod? I know. Which was the same rod or set of laws that John the Revelator saw with which Christ would rule the world? See Revelations chapter 12, verse 5. Iron is very firm, unyielding, and strong, so it well represents the Word of God. Unwise men, however, have changed the Word of God to be more like a rod of rubber. As the Constitution directs and limits government, so the Doctrine and Covenants directs and limits the Church. To forsake the Constitution is treason. To forsake the Doctrine and Covenants is apostasy. The history of Christianity shows that the changes made in the gospel principles were never intended to be wrong. Changes were made in the mode of baptism simply because they lacked water. Other changes came because they wanted to increase converts and to avoid persecution to comply to the laws of the land or for some other logical reason. The best of men can have the best of intentions, yet make the worst mistakes. Christian leaders persecuted, tortured, and killed people, thinking they were doing God a service. If men do not accept the gospel as it stands, there is no profit in dressing it up to make it more appetizing. The gospel needs no adorning. To use St. Augustine's word, um, that's Hugh Nibley, The World and the Prophets, page 53. I know we've been talking through that, but did you have anything else you wanted to add? No, I'm about to go into the void by the mine, so I might okay. drop off, but I'll try to call back as soon as I can. Emmett, are you following along on 236? Yes, I am following along. Okay, go ahead. You read this page, okay? Okay. We who are supposed to be Latter-day Saints are like the ancient Israelites who could not quite reach and accept the higher laws of the gospel. The Lord said to them, Stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. Uh, Jeremiah 6.16 Jude was one of the few Christians who tried to warn the people of unrighteous men who would try to change the gospel. It was needed for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in certain men crept in unawares who were before of 
old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace uh, of our God into lavishness, and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Jude 1, 3 to 4. But current church leaders are taking the opposite approach and are telling us to forget what was said from, by former member day leaders. What? Former day leaders. Oh, I stuttered there. Even though this constitutes a change or loss of the laws, principles, and ordinances of the gospel, it has been taught that men cannot change the gospel. They can only administer it. But it was prophesied that such changes would eventually take place. The earth is also... The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof. Because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. Isaiah 24, 5. Changing laws, ordinances, or or covenants will also change blessings and results. If the ingredients in a bread recipe are changed, so will be the results. With even slight changes, the bread could be worthless and inedible. A very minor alteration to the formula of one's eyeglasses could make reading impossible. Men who change gospels and ordinances will eventually lose both their priesthood power and their exaltation. And we are on page 237. Anything to say? Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Woo! So, Isaiah... Who was talking about his time he was talking about the days of Jesus Christ and he was speaking of our day this is what we have done the same thing if you go back into the early documentations of the church you'll see that they that the church that Joseph Smith restored is not the church that we have today and you've got these leaders today that say we are more important than the old prophets we have more light than they did. And uh, they're liars. They want you to follow them and worship them when you should be following God and doing what he has asked us to do as part of the restoration. Okay, what page are we on, Emma? Um, 235, I believe. Okay. Or no, and seven, not five. Okay, just go ahead and read then. Okay, got it. Church leaders today continually give conflicting information to the members. Uh, I, I hold it entirely compatible with the genius of the church to change its forms of procedure, customs and ordinances, in accordance with our own knowledge and experience. Stephen L. Richards, SL Tribune. Salt Lake Tribune, April 10, 1932. However, Albert Robert Wells of the First Council of Seventy declared, we have, in original form, everything that has ever brought or been brought to the earth that is part of the great plan of salvation. Nothing altered, nothing modified. Enzyme, November 1955, page 66. The fact is that nearly every law, principle, and ordinance of the church has been changed. To mention a few, uh, gathering to Zion no longer encouraged, gifts of the spirit, tongues, visions, etc. diminishing, wording changed in priesthood ordinances, gifts of, or no, disappearance of the 70s on local levels, 
discontinuance of the church patriarch, <laughs> missionaries no longer travel without purse or scrip. Uh, I think, I don't know what that means. I forget. United order and concentration discontinued. Plural marriage abolished. Council of 50 and organization of the kingdom of God dissolved. Blood atonement, blood atonement no longer believed nor taught. Discontinued. Temple ceremony changed. Priesthood garment style changed. Law of adoption, feeling men to men, discontinued. Adam God doctrine no longer believed. Blacks can now hold the church priesthood. Um, there's a lot of things they changed for the calling election that I know, or an election that I know of too, and all that crap. And the oil, what was that whole thing? Uh, it's we're on page 238. Is there anything you have to say? And what does missionaries no longer travel without purse or script mean? <laughs> Hold on. Okay. Um, traveling without purse or script means that you did not take scripture or pamphlets or any of that stuff with you. You knew the gospel enough to teach it without all of that, and you did not rely on money so purse would be uh, what you carried your money in, and script is teaching tools. Um, part of the reason why that changed, because uh, of apostasy, of course, but um, it, originally it was the 70s that were supposed to go out as elders to the missionary, to do missionary work. They were, el or they were elders who were called to the apostleship of the 70s, and yes, that is an apostleship. And the apostles, the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, they were supposed to go. Uh, so the seventies are supposed to go out and gather the people to bring to the apostles that are supposed to do the teaching as elders as well. That's how God wanted it done. But eventually we started, you know, sending out these un- learned elders so they're like well they don't know the scriptures enough to teach so then they started you know supporting them with uh sending them money the purse and the script was um the scriptures or uh things that they were supposed to read so that they could teach the gospel even though they were not educated enough to do that so it's just all part of the apostasy. That the blacks and the priesthood thing, the Canaanites, real quick, because I know that's a hot topic. <sighs> In Zechariah chapter fourteen, last verse of that whole book, Zechariah sees the millennium, and he says, "And in that day." There shall be no no more Canaanite in the house of the Lord. Yeah, there's only one person up here, and I'm just starting. Sorry about that. All right, so um, this shows that there was a time when they would be allowed in the temple, not because it was right, but because for whatever reason they allowed. Canaanites in the temple and they also gave them priesthood which you have to have the priesthood uh, to have your endowments and all of that stuff 
but this is incorrect, and it was a revelation from Babylon the Great, not a revelation from God. In fact, the 1978 declaration is another to whom it may concern, not thus saith the Lord. They talk about a revelation was received, but in order for it to be uh, accepted as a revelation, you actually have to present the revelation at a general conference before the people to take home and study and then have uh, sustaining whatever for that revelation to law of common consent to be canonized. And they didn't do that. They just said, oh, there was a revelation received, and then we're going to do a press release. That's not how things are done in God's kingdom. So anyway, uh, did you have other questions on it? I just didn't know what that meant. Okay, the other thing, too, um, all of this stuff, every topic that Emmett brought up, and many, many more, are all covered in detail in many books that Ogden Kraut wrote on these topics, uh, which you can find to read for free on OgdenKraut.com. Anybody can go check any of those things out for free. And... uh, just got to get this thing started so that it loads my trailer here. Yeah, so the other thing, too, uh, just bringing up one of the many topics, the United Orders. We have 16 million members of the church, billions and billions and billions and billions and hundreds of billions of dollars in assets and financial wealth in the church and not one United Order. Like, we're under condemnation because we treat the things of God lightly in 1832, but even more so today. So, uh, Kim, was there anything that you wanted to, to say? We're out, that's the last page, right? Um, I think so. No, there's more. Hey, sorry, I've got all the kids around me right now. Sorry. <laughs> And then I have the kitten on my kids. foot. It's clawing me. Eh. Okay. Kim, did you have anything to say? No. Um. I I am thankful for this tonight because even though it was like it seems like a short read because Emmett helped read half of it, but um, a lot of times, um, I feel like okay. So everybody doesn't know this, but the way that I was raised was very LDS Mormon, um, and there's all of these things that you are, you know, expected to do. Um, and one of them is like um, reading scriptures, family scripture study, um, you know, with your kids and everything. And sometimes um, as a mom, you know, of five and uh, I work and, and try to do everything, um, then you feel like you're stretched thin. But I really enjoy being able to pull apart things like this with my son reading, my daughter say hi, Liddy. So Liddy's here too. I've got Arius um, pretending to rake. I don't know why, but they're, you know, and Eliza and Amberly have been out here too with me. So they're hearing it. And so um, it might be short and little, but at least then we are teaching um, the kids, you know, that they can study and search things out for themselves and that, you know, their um, learning is important to us and learning for us is important and they see that. So then they can understand that, you know, um, this kind of stuff is important for everybody to um, read and research um, as a family, as a group. And 
so I'm appreciative of that. I'm sorry if I wasn't more helpful with all of the um, reading tonight, Emmett, but you did a really great job, so I'm thankful for you. Thanks for the thanking. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Um, so, yeah. You're and, welcome for um, the welcoming. <laughs> and I think also, um, you know, Mark, I know it's hard because we've been through this um, nine years now, and he has always been very gung-ho about we got to do this. We got to do this. And I'm like, it's not possible. Just like with all the things that I do. And so I know that it's like pulling teeth to get everybody to get together and do this. But um, I like, you know, the sway that we've got going on now. And that even if we're not doing it a hundred percent of the time that uh, when we are doing it, we're trying to do a hundred percent of, um, you know, the learning and reading and being together. So I really appreciate you Tyson or Mark. And I appreciate all the stuff that you've helped us with. So, um, yeah, that doesn't have a lot to do with what we read tonight, but I feel like it was important. Can you guys hear me now? Uh, yep, loud yep. and clear. Okay. Uh, I was muted in talking, so. Oh. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, um, Kim calls me Tyson because that's what my family calls me. My name is Mark Tyson Lichtenwalter. yeah. So, um, and that's fine. Uh, so, yeah, my name is Mark Tyson. Um, oh, let me think. Oh, I was going to talk about the hard reset. So part of the work of the Father that is spoken of in Third Nephi has to do... <laughs> has to do with the work that's going on now. And uh, the father named, changed the name of the church. It's no longer the name, uh, it's no longer the Church of Christ or the Church of Jesus Christ. It is the Church of the Living Messiah. That is the work of the father and the school of the prophets, which is part of, this is part of that. This radio show is part of that. Um God wants us to come together as a people to, uh, to have a church for him, for the living Messiah, who is Jesus Christ, and myself, his two anointed ones, and to have a school of the prophets to discuss these things uh, and to come together in the unity of the faith. So, um, Emmett, go ahead and read the next uh, page for the preview for tomorrow's program. And the guest call in line is open. The phone number is 917-889-8827. Go ahead, Emmett. Okay. Well, I will get to reading the first of the next chapter. But first, I still have one left on this one. (laughs) Whether or not one chooses to believe in any of the above principles and doctrines, he will nevertheless have to admit... They have indeed been changed throughout the 160-plus years of church history. (laughs) Joseph Smith must have seen our day and knew that such revisions would be made in the gospel, for he repeatedly warned the saints, if any man writes to you or preaches doctrines contrary to the Bible of the Book of Mormon or the Doctrine and Covenants, set him down as an imposter. TNS, April 1st, 1844. Oh, ye... Twelve and all saints, profit by this important key that in all your trials, temptations, difficulties, bonds, 
uh, imprisonments, afflictions, and death, see to it that you do not betray the brethren, referring to his uh, brethren at that time, that you do not betray the revelations of God, whether the, in the Bible, Book of Mormon, or Doctrine and Covenants, Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 156. If any man preach any other gospel than which I have preached, he shall be cursed. And some of you who now hear me shall see it. Some, uh, some in that audience, some in that audience, lived beyond 100, er, 1890. Uh, teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 366 and 67. It is now up to us as individual saints to determine the truth for ourselves, trusting only in the Lord. Look very closely at the gospel today and compare it with the gospel as it was restored. Then determine which set of gospel laws, principles, and ordinances you should obey. Okay, and now we are done with the, that chapter. We're on page 239, chapter 17, A Failure of Mankind. Anything to say? <laughs> yes. The phone lines are open. <laughs> Uh, call it nine one seven eight eight nine eight eight two seven or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> real quick. Um, if they change what was restored in the restoration, you can set them down as imposters as well. People need to understand that. So these guys that keep changing everything are imposters. They are wolves in sheep's clothing, or in other words, Babylonian businessmen in wool suits. They are imposters, false administrators, and you need to stop following them and turn back to the first works, which are the works of the restoration. Go ahead, Emma. Okay, hold on. Chapter 17, The Failure of Mankind. I'm going to read the first page. Uh, call in at that number that we keep saying. And now I'm going to read. I can tell you this much about it. It is pretty hard work to make sheep out of ghosts. Brigham Young, Journal of Discourses, 2043. Now this cat just started screaming. This chapter is divided into three sections. First, the fall of man. Or no, the failure of men. Second, the failure of the church and government. Third, the failure of the world. First, the faller, the failure of men, the failure of men. <laughs> of all the slaves who ever rode oars, shoveled dirt, picked cotton, or carried burdens, did any of them really want to be a slave? Probably not, yet nearly all men allow someone else to do their thinking for them, which is actually a form of slavery. God gave each individual a body to use in many different ways. He has legs to walk, hands to work, a mouth to eat, eyes to see, and a mind to think. But apparently not ears. <laughs> he wouldn't want someone else to walk for him, eat for him, or see for him. So why do most men want someone else to do their thinking for them? If another person dictates the use of your body as a slave, what is it when he dictates the use of your mind? And that is it, page 240. <laughs> Uh, anything to say, I guess? Uh, yeah, nobody, as far as I can see. Go ahead and jump on the studio, Emmett, and make sure that nobody's yeah. on. Um, but, I'm reloading it. Hold you on. You know, we, we uh, fought for free agency in the free existence. 
And we, in the church, have had our free agency taken away from us. Plain and simple, because the church has has become a cult. It is a cult. It meets all the definitions of a cult. Yeah, I know. I didn't think they were, but anyway, so, um, you know, like I said, we need to understand the first works of the restoration and get back to them. And uh, speaking of one more thing, there are many false teachers running amidst that do not believe in revelation, even though they are receiving plenty of revelation from false spirits teaching them false doctrines that they think, oh, this is logical, but this this says this, and that says that, and, like, they twist things out of, out of context, and they do not understand what they're talking about, and they teach lies. The Judas goes. If you are a prophet, which you should be, because Moses said God would that all his children were prophets, you would not be afraid of these Judas goats because you can go to God and get revelation and confirmation of the Spirit for yourself. And uh, even though it sounds good, doesn't mean it is good. So, uh, you know, God is trying to do a work at this time, and Satan is full force, gangbusters, in on making sure people are led astray in all the splinter groups, not coming to a unity of the faith, but teaching their man-made ideas and doctrines mingled with Scripture. So, all right, Emmett, go ahead and uh, play... uh, the closing music, Sleep Away, and we will be back on tomorrow, 8, 8.30-ish, I don't know, sometime around this time tomorrow, to talk about the next chapter in the book. What's the next chapter called, Emma? Um, I put away the book. Hold on. <laughs> oh, um, okay. It is The Failure of Mankind, Chapter 17. Okay, we'll be back on tomorrow. Thank you, everyone. Take care. God bless. And goodbye. Emmett, cue the music and mute your mic. Good night, or whatever time it is that you're hearing this, everybody. (laughs) 